0: My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. I have made you known to them, and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them.
1: Those of you who are familiar with the New Testament recognize that that is the recorded prayer of Jesus in the New Testament, and the only one we have basically of his his prayer. The other prayer that we sang in the song was the prayer that he was teaching his disciples or his apostles to pray. Now, the the essence of what he's saying in this context is that he wants everyone to be one. And he said, I want them to be one like you and I are one. Basically, let's state it in our simple terms. Get along together. Stick together. Don't separate. Don't quarrel. Don't have fusses. Stick together. Now, I'm talking to a people right now that I am fairly confident that Jesus lives in your personal life. He's in your life. And you want to be here this morning. it was a problem. It was a problem then, and it's a problem now. Disagreement among these men who had followed Jesus through their efforts was a very real danger. The danger was that they would separate that they would disagree among themselves, that they would not be united. In other words, they, they, would, they would have petty quarrels and disagreements, and, and they wouldn't be together. And, and as a result of that, they might do some things that were tragically harmful to the kingdom. He was offering a prayer to his father. Now, that's something else that we have to think about. Jesus was actually praying that this would happen, that these people would, that these men would stick together. He didn't just tell them, stick together, stay together. He was praying to God, give us some extra power. Give us some more adhesiveness so we can stay together. Now you remember that after this prayer, before this prayer basically, James and John decided that they wanted to have something a little different than the rest of the apostles when the kingdom came. They said, okay, what I want, I don't know which one wanted which. But James and John, the sons of Zebedee, wanted to sit one on the right hand and one on the left of Jesus when he came into his kingdom. I don't know where John wanted to sit, right or left, I don't know. But both of them wanted to sit on the right and left. And they even asked their mother to get involved in this and asked ask for the same thing. This, we, we can find one record of this in Matthew chapter 20, verse 24. And because they did this, it created a hostile environment because they made that statement. They said, we want to be different. Okay, we want to be different. We don't want to be down here with you. We want to be up there with him. We want to be separate. The prospect of division among believers is not fanciful. And it became it became almost as soon as it began almost as soon as the a, as a kingdom started. But here are these men It says it made made problems among the others. It made a disagreement among them. So they had a quarrel because of what James and John did. The first occurrence of division after the kingdom was established came between the Jews and the other nationalities. Now Jesus came initially to the Jewish nation, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And as a result of that, basically, and because of that, and because they had been the favored nation all along, they felt like it ought to continue into the kingdom which was supposed to be entirely different and new. But they wanted wanted the same acknowledgement that they were first. I want to be first. I want to be first in line. I want to be first served. I I want to stand there and I want to be preeminent. When we're driving in a car, I want to sit in the front seat. I don't want to sit in the back seat. I want to be in the foremost. When I'm on the highway, I want to get in front of all the other cars. I want to be first. That was a common idea and, and feeling among them. And so the Jews, they wanted to be first. If we get anything good, me first, me first. Well, there was sort of a caste system that was in place in the world at that time. He has is, he is specifically told his apostles, go teach, all, teach the Jews First, and go not in the house of the Gentiles, the Samaritans. Don't enter into their houses. Go to the Jews first. Because they had been carrying the brunt of the law of God so that the world would become acquainted with that which is right and that which is wrong. But at this point now, it was all over. Now everybody was going to be the same. And that did not sit well with the Jews. And it did not sit well with the Jewish Christians. Wow, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jesus had been praying that they may be one, that even those that believe on me may be one. But it wasn't happening. In Acts 10 at verse 28, Peter was sent to the house of Cornelius. Now, Cornelius was a Gentile, he was one of the nations. And he was sent because, and God had to prompt him to do it. Remember, he was up on the housetop in Acts chapter 10, hungry. So he went up on the housetop and he fell into a trance and God let a big sheet down with all manners of four-footed beast in it. And he told Peter, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, I'm not, gonna, I'm no, not me, Lord. I haven't eaten anything common or unclean. So he's going back to the old Jewish law, which was done away with, basically. It was, God had stopped it. We're all new now, Peter. This, this old stuff is gone. We're new. Peter said, nope, I can't do that. He did it three times before it got through to Peter. So then when Peter got down to the house of Cornelius, three men came up to get him and bring him from Joppa down to Caesarea. When he got down there, Cornelius wanted him to come into his house, and Peter was a little bit reluctant. But he said to he said him, You know how that it's an unlawful thing for a man that's a Jew to keep company or come into one of another nation? Now you know what? It wasn't unlawful. Peter got it, got it in his head somehow that it was unlawful. It was not. They could, they could go into each other's house. A matter of fact, that was never prohibited. They just weren't supposed to intermarry with some of the nations. They were not supposed to involve themselves in their idolatry. They were not supposed to eat meats offered to idols so that people would think they were sacrificing and, and uh, worshiping idols. But they could eat. They could eat with the Gentile. The law never prohibited but Peter said, it's unlawful. Well, Peter, you got it wrong. But anyway, Peter had a lot of things wrong. But God showed him, he said, that I should not call any man common or unclean. Go in there and eat with them, Peter. Well, he did, and he got in trouble with other Jews that had become Christians in the city of Jerusalem. So when Peter got back to Jerusalem, they called him on the carpet. They said, wait a minute. Acts chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, it says, The apostles and the brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles received the word of God. When Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision, that is the Jewish Christians, saying, You went into men uncircumcised and you ate with them. Wow. You ate the meal with them? Well, of course, they they thought that the Gentiles were completely unclean. Peter was told, "Don't, Don't tell anybody that. Don't say that. Now this wasn't the end of Peter's problems. Later on, Paul referred to an occasion that happened in the areas of Galatia. In Galatians chapter two, at verse eleven through fourteen, when he went, when Peter went to Antioch, he said, "This is Paul." He said, "I would stood him to the face; he was to be blamed, for before that certain came from James, he ate with the Gentiles. When they were come, he withdrew and separated himself." fearing them which are of the circumcision, and the other Jews dissemble themselves likewise. In other words, wait a minute, what's happening? They are dividing. They're dividing. People in whom Jesus Christ dwelt were dividing from one another. He's in this one, he's in this one, but they're not together. Why? He said, the other Jews dissemble themselves with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Even Barnabas. And Paul said, When I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, if you, being a Jew, live after the manner of Gentiles, that's how he'd been living, and not as do the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? The apostles eventually sorted out this problem. They got it sorted out. But not without a good deal of difficulty. Paul devoted two books in the New Testament in the canon of the scriptures, two entire books to this question of whether or not Jews and the nations could be together, Galatians and Romans. Those books define that and delineate that and and give us the information. Now in Acts chapter 20, beyond, beyond this difficult of open division, the Jews and the Gentiles, Paul issued further warnings. He said, this isn't the end of this. He didn't really say that. I'm saying that. But... This wasn't the end of that kind of division because there were some other divisions coming up. In Acts 20 verse 29, Paul had asked the elders from the church at Ephesus, older men who were mature and saturated in the Scriptures, he invited them to come down to meet him and at Troyes And he said, I know this. He told them, he said, I know this, that after my departing, grievous wolves shall come in among you, not sparing the flock, also of, their own cell, of your own selves, Men shall arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves to create division. Now, Jesus prayed that that not happen. But it was happening. It happened almost after the gospel was first preached. Now it's happening again. It's happening again. Paul's saying, watch out. It's going to happen to you. Now, at Corinth, the problem was so drastic it, it just kept um, creating itself or recreating itself. In First Corinthians 1 at verse 10, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth these words. He said, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same thing. There be no divisions among you. Stick together. He said, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, the same judgment. It's been declared unto me of the house of Chloe. By them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. This I say, that every one of you says, I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulus, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. They're starting to divide. He said, is, is Christ divided? That's a, that's a good question, isn't it? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? These are questions. They had started to divide and started to rename themselves so that the division was acute. The apostles urged unity all through the New Testament. They they urged unity among brethren. There is a danger, there is a peril that we will not stay together. We will not stick together. There's a danger. Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 3, the apostle Paul wrote, I therefore and the prisoner of the Lord beseech you. He said, I'm begging you to do what? I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness of mind, with meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of love. Please stay together. Philippians one twenty-seven. Only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ, of whether I come and see you or else be absent. I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Please, stick together. Philippians 2, 2-5, Fulfill you my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better themselves." Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Stay together, please. You see, the apostles, Jesus and the apostles knew there was a tremendous danger that people were going to separate. Believers were going to separate. Stay far. And that's what's happened. That's what's happened. There there are some first principles of unity that are on the surface. You know, there's just some things we know that we have to know that that are basic. Some things that are taught in the New Testament that just basic. You believe it, I believe it, you do it, I do it, everybody should do it. Basic things. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, Paul said, Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. And some translations read this, leaving the first principles. Of the doctrine of Christ. The very basic things. That's what he's talking about. Leaving the basics of the doctrine of Christ. Let's go on unto perfection. What are the basics Paul? He said not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. So he's saying. We don't have to teach you again how to repent. You should turn away from this world. Right? Regret that you've been a sinner. That's basic. And a faith toward God. That's basic. Right? Very basic. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ. And I believe in Jesus Christ. It's hard for us to get along in the faith. And of doctrine of baptisms. Baptized for the remission of sins. That's what Peter told the, everybody in the very first day. That's what the New Testament teaches all the way through the year. You're born again of water and the Spirit. That's basic. That's basic. We should all agree on that. And of laying on of hands. That's the way the apostles passed on the Holy Spirit. And he said, of the resurrection of the dead, We should all believe that we're going to rise again from the dead. That's basic, right? Somebody comes along and says, I don't believe I'm going to be resurrected. Then it's going to be hard for me to get along with them. Someone says, I don't believe I have to be baptized to get into Christ. That's going to be tough for us to be united on that point. You see, these these are basic points. And of eternal judgment. That's another basic. That we are going to have to give an account for the life that we've lived. And it says, This we will do, Paul said, if God permit. We'll do that. Okay. God's people should present a united front. That is, every believer in Christ should present a united front. We all believe in Jesus Christ. We're all believers. We believe in God's word, that the world might believe. That's what Jesus said. That they might that they are one, that the world might believe that you have sent me. A people devoted to God through Jesus Christ without petty quarrels and without bickering among ourselves. Right? The world's going to have a hard time if we're fighting and fussing. Correct? It should be a picture of peace, of faith and of love for one another devoid of criticisms and caustic attacks on each other's person. Okay? And we do that because we go back to the one faith which is in God's word, the New Testament. So I can say, okay, I believe what the New Testament teaches. You believe the same thing. I believe in Jesus Christ. You believe in Jesus Christ. I'm a believer. You're a believer. We walk by the same rule. We mind the same things. And we try to get along together. Romans 12, verse 16 through 18 says, Be of the same mind one toward another. Easy, huh? Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. So don't try to be better than me, and I won't try to be better than you. We should be humble with one another. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lies in you, live in peace with all men. Be peaceful. Okay. Would to God that all believers in Jesus Christ could coexist in one body. That's what Ephesians 4 says. There's one body and one spirit, even as you're called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in y'all. The idea is that everyone who is one in Jesus, that we stick together, that we not go off our separate ways, that we stick together, that we love one another, that we, that we honor one another. The stark truth is that this isn't happening. Believers are separated all over the world. Separated into different churches. Believers who actually believe in Jesus Christ, want to follow Him, want to worship Him, want to, want to let Him live in their lives, were divided. The world is divided into all sorts of what we call denominations and fellowships. The world obviously sees this. And the world uses this as a club to attack Christianity or to attack God. The solution is, of course, the solution is, we know the solution, is to seek God through His Word, through the Gospel. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But the actuality is that there is, div- there is division. Division has come about through obvious paths. Now, it starts out small, but then it, it's a departure from the faith of Jesus Christ. When we choose different names... 1 Corinthians 1. When we choose different names, then we're going to divide, aren't we? One says, I'm a Paul. I have a Paulus. I have a Cephas. I have a Christ. Now, that's how people get us to be divided. Now, I've, I've got to say this because I think it's it's basic to what we're we're talking about. Somebody has come along, some leader, who, who believes that they, they have what is known as all the truth, will come along and say, okay... If you really want to believe be a believer, you have to follow me. And I want to keep you separate from everybody else, so I'm going to give you a different name. Not the name of Jesus, I'll give you a different name. I'll call you something. Call you by a creed. Maybe I'll call you a Presbyterian. That's a creed, by the way. That's not a name, that's a creed. I'll call you Presbyterian because you have adopted that particular creed. So I'll keep you separate from everybody else with that creed. And if you want to be one of us, you have to accept that creed. Or I'll call you by uh, some act that you've performed. I'll call you a Baptist because we believe that you have to be baptized. But I want you to know that there's Southern Baptists and there's Hardshell Baptists and so forth so forth. But... We have our specific creed, and we 'll let you know what we believe and if you accept that, you can be become a part of us so we're we 're separating we 're dividing believers are being divided people who believe in Jesus Christ are being separated we can 't be one because we 've got new names we 've got new doctrines we 've got new creeds Colossians one to verse thirteen says is is uh, 1 Corinthians 1.13 says, Is Paul, is, is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? Is he? Acts chapter 4 verse 12, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must to be saved. So what name should we be looking to? The name of a creed? The name of an activity? The name of a man? What sort of name should we wear? The name of Jesus. I think everybody in the world could agree to that. We should wear the name of Jesus as a person. What are you? Someone says that that when you go to the hospital, they say, well, we want to know what you are. Are you a Catholic? Are you a Protestant? Are you what? What Are you you a Jew? What are you? Well, you're actually, you're a Christian. You're a believer. You're a believer. You don't don't want to be divided. I don't even want to be divided on paper at the hospital. I, I don't want to do that. Do you? I want to be united with every believer in the world. I do. Okay. There is no salvation under any other name than the name of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 21 talking about the name of Jesus. It's far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which has come. Philippians 2 9 Wherefore God also has highly exalted Him and given Him a name that is above every name. Okay. Man-made creed started out In the third century of our era, the Nicene Creed came about because men said, what shall we believe? We want to make sure that everybody believes what I believe. And if you don't believe what I believe, you can't be part of us. That's called the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed. It's called the Apostles' Creed sometimes. But that divides people, doesn't it? Because somebody else comes along and says, hey, wait a minute, I want to make a modification to that creed and I want you to follow me and follow what I believe this creed teaches, and don't follow them. So now we have a division. So we have creeds that have been established down through the years, whereby if a person wants to be part of that fellowship, of that oneness, you have to accept that creed. But Isaiah said it a long time ago, in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20, he said, to the law and to the testimony. He said, go back to the scriptures to the law and to testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. If you can't understand the New Testament by yourself on your own, then you've got problems. Jesus Christ came to simplify everything, and all you have to do is read it for yourself. And it's available in all languages now. You can read it and you can find out: is this what the New Testament teaches? And you don't have to say, hey, I want, to, I want to formalize this in some sort of a creed, and if, if I can make that creed, then I'll make sure that everybody that agrees with me in my creed, they can be one with me. So that's the division, obviously. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, "...whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus." Now, you can't do that if you don't have a book, chapter, and verse, if you don't have a New Testament scripture that tells you what you should be doing, Right? once you see what the New Testament says. So in order for me to be united with you, all we have to do is agree that we're going to wear the name of Jesus, that we're going to follow the word of Jesus recorded in the gospel. Now, rituals have come along also that divide us. That is, that we, we, uh, we decide that we're going to do certain things as a people, religiously. But if it's not in the New Testament... What's your sure attitude be toward it? Well, I, I can't really do that in the name of Jesus if it's not there. So that makes, it, makes a problem. So some of these rituals have, have uh, divided us. And some of the individuals who have in initiated the rituals have divided us. Jesus talked about these individuals Matthew chapter 23. When he says, all their works they do to be seen of men. He's talking about the leaders in in Judaism. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues. These were religious leaders. They liked to have the top spot. They liked the spotlight. They liked to be center stage. They liked for you to follow them. Right? That's what they were doing and that's what we see a lot going on now that is dividing us. Greetings in the market. And when I say dividing us, I mean dividing those who truly believe in Jesus Christ. Dividing believers. Okay. They love greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all you are brethren. You're all together in this thing. Call no man your father upon earth, for one is your father which is in heaven, neither be ye called masters. One is your master, even Christ. He that is greatest among you shall be your servant, whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. He that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Now, when we enthrone our fellow workers above all the rest and separate them from the body of believers with titles, what choose the title, archbishop, bishop, uh, clergy, laity, so forth. When we start separating classes of people, we start dividing. So if you've been involved in that, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be doing that. And when we start dressing them differently in different garb so that you can distinguish this person is a holy person, this person over here in a a hair shirt is not a holy person, then we begin to divide, don't we? You know, Jesus made mention of this about John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 8, he said, What did you go out to see? They went out to see John the Baptist. Did you go out to see a royal pumpkin out there? Really? He said, Did did you go out to see a man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. John the Baptist was just a common, ordinary fellow. And when we start incorporating rituals that you can't read about in the New Testament, pageants and liturgies, we begin to divide people because people say, well, I can't see that in the scriptures. Another person says, I don't like it that way. So all of a sudden you start introducing things among people of a religious nature and division is is going to happen. All of this is remarkable and demonstrable concerning our ways to keep people separate. That's the way you separate people. We'd do better to explore ways to keep people separate Together Now then, I said all of that. This is all understandable, isn't it? Doesn't everybody understand this? We are divided as a world of believers. We're divided. Believers are divided by all of these machinations that I've mentioned. Creeds, different doctrines, different fellowships, different names. What can you do about that? There's not a whole lot you can do about that. You can stand up with Jesus Christ and say, I believe in Jesus Christ. And you can unite with people who also believe that Jesus is the Christ and are willing to submit their lives to Him because He's in them and He's in you. Okay. But, let's talk about how these things start. And let's talk about, after considering the varied ways that we can, we've seen men devise to build walls and erect fences, let's consider how we can stay together, okay? I said all that to come down to talk to you. To talk to you. There are deeper issues in our lives, and we will stay as one when we reach down into the depths of our souls and hearts and put into effect the character of Jesus Christ. When we get that character, we can stick together. Without that character, we're doomed. Okay, how can we manage to stay together? How can you manage to stay with me, or how can I manage to stay with you? How can we stay together as a people in Christ, believe in Christ, worship God, follow the New Testament? How can we stay together? Realistically, we're not in danger of accepting divisive doctrines or uh, practices. Realistically, You're not going to be carried away with something you can't read in the New Testament, are you? I'm not either. So I'm I'm preaching to the choir, right? I'm preaching to the choir. You're not about to do something that you can't read about in the New Testament, and I'm not either, because I know you. You're not about to teach some doctrine that you can't read the New Testament. You know why I know that? Because I know you. We're we're in the same fellowship. We know one another. We know, I know I'm a believer in Christ. You are. And we both accept the New Testament as our guide. We don't accept the names of men. We don't accept the the doctrines. We don't accept creeds and so forth. We accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our guide. And we accept the Scriptures as our rule of practice and belief. What we're in danger of, instead of these things, we're in danger of, pettiness that's our danger we're, we're in danger of dividing over trivialities we're in danger of getting our feelings hurt and walking away from each other and saying I don't like the way I was treated I don't like the way someone looked at me this morning I'm going to go somewhere else I'm not going to be with those folks anymore I'm going to, I'm going to go that's, you know, that's division. I'm going to get my feelings hurt and I'm going to leave a friendship that I've developed in the Lord behind. I'm just not going to be here anymore. I'm going to leave. That's petty. And that's divisive. Philippians 2. Let's read some text. Philippians 2.1 If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any way you can stick together... Okay, if any bows and mercies that is any deep feelings fulfill my joy that you be like minded having the same love being of one accord of one mind let nothing be done through strife or vain glory but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves don't pick your brother or sister apart don't disagree over opinions don't get your feelings hurt don't hurt somebody else's feelings be nice Play nice. Philippians 2 verse 14 15 says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. That is, don't go off talking about a brother or sister in Christ and hurt their reputation or hurt their feelings if they heard what you were saying personally. That you may be blameless and harmless, as sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 3, he said at verse 8, Finally be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary wise blessing. Knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. He that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Patience with one another's faults. You know, everybody has faults, except me. (laughs) And you, none of us have a fault, right? None of us has a fault that somebody ought to say you ought to change this or change that. We need to be patient with one another's faults. I may not like the way you do certain things. I don't know. I can't thank anybody right now that I don't like and don't like your, what's going on. But, but this happens. I may not like how things are happening among us. I may I may not like that. But I I need to have some patience with your faults, and because I want patience with mine, along with forgiveness. I did something wrong. Did you forgive me? I made a terrible mistake, and it drug you into something bad. And I said I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Forgiveness. You say, Well, I, I just can't forgive that. So out the door I go. I'm gone. Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 3 says, I therefore the prison of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, with all lowliness of mind. And meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Colossians three twelve says, Put on therefore the elect of God. Holding beloved, bowels of mercies. Be merciful. Be merciful. Be compassionate. Be understanding. Kindness. You know, I, I just have to stop here. I know of so many families in my own background, my own family, of uh, aunt, aunts and uncles and grandfathers, grandmothers, so forth, where some minor something took place and it separated that family member for other family members and they died not ever reconciling with one another. They never got back together again. Never. They never made it right. Nobody ever stepped up and said I'm sorry and if they did say I'm sorry, the other one said I can't forgive you. So many times that happens. Even today we know this is going on all the time. I just I'm just going I I just can't be with you anymore. Because I'm not kind, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. Why did he say that? Why did he tell me to forbear you and you to forbear me? Why did he say that? Because there is a peril of being divided that we'll walk away from one another, that we won't have anything to do with one another. We won't talk to one another anymore. We won't see one another anymore. We won't gather together in one assembly anymore. We just won't do that anymore because I, i'm i i can not forbear i can't you know what forbear means it means to forgive that thing before it ever happens you've got to have that set of mind before anybody ever does anything wrong you have to say I, i've already i've already forgiven him it's already gone i'm i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to take that patiently even before it happens that's what it means Forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness, love. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. That's stated so many times in the New Testament. Why? Well, you can see it now. Look at all the division in what we call Christendom. Believers everywhere, all over the world, can't get along can't stay together won't stay together whatever the reason may be creeds doctrines rituals all sorts of things keep us apart what keeps us together these very fundamental principles keep us together first john chapter 2 verse 9 through 11 and john was really really on top of this subject love one another he that says he's in the light first john 2 verse 9 And hates his brothers in darkness even till now. He that loves his brother abides in the light. There is none occasion of stumbling in him. He that hates his brothers in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not whether he goes because that darkness has blinded his mind. 1 John 3.11, this is the message you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Then he mentions Cain and Abel. Let me bring it down to this. We stay together as one because we are tolerant of one another's faults. And because we believe in Jesus Christ. And because we believe that the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is our guide, our only guide. And we look to that. And sometimes we disagree on subjects, but we stick together and stick it out because we want to be one, because Jesus is in us. We give each other the benefit of the doubt And we don't jump to conclusions about each other's motives. You know what a motive is? motive is a reason why you did something. A reason why you said something. Well, I, I can't judge that. I don't know why you did what you did or why you didn't do what you did. So I can't judge your motive. And I can't jump to the conclusion that your motive was bad. I can't do that. I can't do that and expect to stay together with you. We find ways to accept different personalities. And we overlook minor faults and flaws in each other. We try to find ways to stay together instead of excuses to get apart, to walk away. God help you do exactly what Jesus prayed for us to do, that we may be one. And one with all believers. Another believer walks up to me and says, I'm a Baptist. And I'll say, well, I'm, I'm a believer. Let's sit down with the Scriptures and see. Let's make sure that we can be together in the Lord. Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, anybody that says they believe in the Jesus Christ and want to walk with Him, I want to be with them too if we can. If we can walk together and talk together and sing together and pray together, remember the Lord together, if we can do that together, all we have to do is open the Scriptures and let the word of God come into our hearts and guide us in everything we do. But certainly here, we do this. We stay together. You stay here, I stay here with one another. Because Jesus lives in us and is among us. Let's, let's stand and sing our song of invitation and close this.